I back. Trust me. I back. Yes, it's the State of Combat with Brian Campbell on CBS Sports. And it's back with the Mixed Martial Arts Edition. You know what I'm talking about. Stacked, backed, jacked, underwritten, and sponsored, of course, by that one and only performance enhancing audio. You won't see that pop you saw the test anytime soon, but it will get you fired the heck up about the world of mixed martial arts. And boy, do we have another interesting show for you this week as we look back at the sights and sounds from UFC Wichita somewhere out there in middle America as we update the scene at heavyweight following Junior Dos Santos's knockout victory. And we get you wild out for this UFC London card this weekend, which if we can get Ben Askren on location, this could turn into something as we piece together the welterweight title picture. In between, we got guests aplenty for you. Jorge Masvidal, the wild welterweight, who headline said UFC London card will drop by to, I don't know, swear a few times, hit us up with his, uh, his unique style of philosophy in life. And we will also be chatting with PFL Professional Fighters League President Ray Seffo, yes, on that big ESPN deal on what could be next for that company, which is, I don't know, they're putting million dollar on the line for each of these tournaments. They are moving product, making business. Hey guys, American MMA is on fire. We heard from the folks from one last week. We know Bellator and UFC are rocking the house. PFL in there too. What a time to be alive. What a time to talk mixed martial arts and folks you already know what i'm going to say if you like a little bit of the show if you like what we're putting in your veins right there you know where i'm going with this i know that you do damn i gotta learn my own soundboard if you see something say something. yes please head on over to apple podcast but do me this solid we are on uh 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 what do you call that thing uh spotify now you know what i'm talking about the world-renowned leader in audio we were on there check us out subscribe Whatever you want to do. Anyway, my normal co-host, Brando himself, the wise man, Brandon Wise, number 65 in your scorecards, though, number one in your hearts, on a honeymoon in Montreal right now, out there with uh, GSP putting mayo on everything. And I'm not talking about food. He will not be with us this week, although you will hear his voice later in the chat with Jorge Masvidal. My main man, Mikey Mormile on the ones and twos, is producing the show. He's back on. Michael, how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm uh, just getting over the flu, actually. Oh, wow. Get so. better. Some tea, maybe. Some mayo, whatever you need to put on that. And uh filling in the old Brando's chair this week, my CBS Sports cohort, writer, editor, combat sportsaholic, the great Jack Crosby. You may have heard this voice before on the WWE show, but he's back with a bang on MMA. Jack, thank you for filling in, my friend. Brian, thanks for having me. I'm happy to fill in for Brandon while he tries to gain his Canadian citizenship. Yes, yes. I, I think when you cross the border in Montreal and you're an MMA fan, you, you got to – I've been down on the main streets. There's a lot of, like, MMA gyms. There's a lot of GSP on the timeline. Everywhere you look, it's – it's it's uh yeah. I hope maybe he, you know, rolls into somewhere, starts rolling around, gets uh functionally tapped. You think he's got a BJJ game? I know he works out a little bit. He takes boxing, but – I think he sneakily does. Right. I think he does, but I'm going to be disappointed. Like if, if we've seen some, he, he's, we've seen some of the establishments he's been frequenting. We're going to have to ask him if he had some GSP conversations with people there in Montreal. Yes, if yes. not, then that's a failure. That is a failure. Can't have, he's, can't have that. He's going to come back unable to make that 265 limit if he keeps eating and putting all that weird stuff in there. Mike, you ever rock out at Montreal? It's a wild place. I've been twice and two of the best times of my life. Oh, wow. Once at like 18 years old and then once for a UFC fight. Cannot remember the card though. That must have, that had to be a GSP joint, right? Roy McDonald um, maybe? 
Let me look it up right now. All right. All right. That's why you're here, Mike. Look up that stuff, all right? (laughs) Anyway, folks, we got to break down the week that was in MMA and, of course, a lot going on at UFC Wichita, of all places. Of course, we're going to ask questions like this. What round did Rosa find that where, where Derek Lewis find ass at? He's getting stopped. TKO, guys, but it was a fun ride in getting there. Heavyweights atop the card. Look, it's always a short route back to the heavyweight title picture. And the winner of this certainly was going to make a leap. Junior Dos Santos, former champion, second round TKO over Derek Lewis Brothers. Uh, at the very least, Wichita didn't, didn't cut out the entertainment here. This was fun getting to an ending, which I think a lot of us predicted, Jack. What'd you think? No, UFC will do this to you every once in a while. Like you look at a card, and especially in a, in a in an odd place like Wichita, and, and you, you immediately dismiss it. Then you look at the card because it, it, it really was a one fight card with Derek and Junior. So you're looking at it going, all right, well, this is a one fight card, but it did end up it, it ended up delivering as a whole, like from top to bottom, especially the main card. I mean, uh, Zaleski Dos Santos really made a statement in the welterweight division with his win. Like he, and they asked him post fight about his uh, championship aspirations. And he pulled the, which I love all the time. He pulled the, I don't care. Just give me someone to fight. Oh yeah. Take he that said, give me someone in the top fight to fight. I'll fight them. So that, there was that. Then of course you had the fight that coming in, you look and you, you had Tim means and Nico price. Oh, and you God. said, look, give me violence. Two, give me blood. If these two do what we expect them to do, this is going to be the fight you remember. And those two, what did they do? They went out there and tried to straight murder each other. And it just, well, poor Tim, Tim Means. I mean, Nico Price gets the knockout and Tim Means gets knocked out and has to deal with a broken leg to boot. Uh, yeah. Let me, uh, just give you a, a, a sound drop of what that fight was like. Bang, 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 bang. Bang, bang. But that was one of the more freakish injuries because it looked like, for as much as they were exchanging, it looked like Means had the upper hand there. And then Price drops a bomb, and Means just crumbles like a house of cards, and that ankle goes snap. Damn, you get you get finished like that, and you get the broken leg on top of it? That's that's sort of the, the salt in the wound. But those two, they did. They, deli- they delivered the highlight. Like, Nico definitely deserved the performance of the night, hands down. And then, of course, the main event was, I, I was one round off in my prediction. I said, I said, Junior TKO three, he gets it in two. Um, but I mean, what a memorable fight though for just two rounds. Well, look, the, it brought theatrics. I mean, Mike, you, you can't really, uh, imagine a time ever seen someone openly play possum like Derek Luce may or may not have been playing. He got hurt to the body. Ah. He was legitimately hurt, but I mean, setting traps and giving Junior Dor Santos a, a, a right cross. I mean, there was some crazy entertainment going on. Flashbacks of, uh, what was it? Pete Snell? Oh, good lord. Like yes. Isn't that right? Uh, Pete Snell. Flashbacks Sell- of. Against Smith, Smith right? Of that, because I thought I thought the second JDS started running in, I thought it was over for him. I figured Derek Lewis would catch him with a big one there and finish it. But you know that lived up to the hype. the The card was great. Um, again, did not expect that from the card whatsoever when we were talking about it last week. I actually didn't really expect a great fight. I figured JDS versus uh, Lewis kind would kind of disappoint. It wouldn't live up to it, but that was awesome. Well, I like the, that, that. Look, JDS is the better fighter, and in the end, it's probably you know he advances third straight win. He's definitely in this title picture. But Derek Lewis, man, he never fails to entertain, and I was really looking forward to see where his mindset was going to be because we all know he went all in for the for the Daniel Cormier fight to get that title shot, and I was sort of fearing that like he would say to himself, "Look, I finally get into shape. 
for a fight for the first time, I go all in and I get absolutely dominated on the title level. He's a mercenary. He always says it's about the money. Look, uh, he gave a fairly honest effort. He he provided us with some wild entertainment. I didn't expect him to win. He didn't in the end. I don't think he ultimately changes his standing as much as he just reinstills the fact that he's fun TV at the very least. Not a title contender, but he's fun TV. The head kicks are incredible. I love when he does. I love, I popped big time the first, in the first round when he threw the first one with the left. Uh, it, it just, it, it never see, and you know he's going to do it. He always does it, but every time he does it, it just gets funnier every single fight because he's just, and he, and those are legit kicks too. I still can't figure out how he gets his leg that high, number one. I'll never figure that out. Like, God bless him. I don't know how he does it, but he does it and they barely ever connect, but he just goes out there and he just starts striking with them, but, Oh God! But I, I've actually been thinking. You kind of alluded to it, BC. Had, has there ever been a fighter, especially in UFC? Now, not annoying, but who just one way or another, inside or outside the octagon, provides some sort of memorable, entertaining moment than Derek Lewis? Now, even Daniel Cormier, that fight, nothing to write home about. He got dominated, but there was the Popeyes chicken comment. Yes, from the the press conference. Like, no, this guy somehow, some way, always finds a way to make you think you could name a specific fight. Like, when people say Junior Dos Santos, they'll say, spinning back kick to the stomach, didn't know if he was playing possum. It was hilarious. He gives you, he, he creates moments that are separate and almost more important than whether he won or lost the fight. And outside of Prime Connor, but that's not a great comparison because Prime Connor was always winning, so it really wasn't about that. The only comparison I can make is, uh, I'm not surprised, motherfucker. The, the no, Diaz my, brothers, my, because it doesn't matter if they win or lose, they entertain you with something ridiculous every single time. I guess my point with, with Connor wasn't so much, it, it was more like Derek is just organic. Whereas like you can always tell when Connor's specifically trying to push something and he pushes the narrative a little too far, but Derek is, just, everything's organic and it's just great. And you're never going to forget the guy for it. He was on the ESPN desk. I think it may have been Friday after the weigh-in and they were like, you know, Derek, how do you remain so calm? You're always so relaxed out there. And he was response was, well, most of the time I'm high as hell. I mean, that's brilliant stuff. You just add that to the lexicon of what he's already given us. All the training and all the sex I've been getting. Yeah, my body ain't some time I mean, this guy's, this guy's a genius in that regard. Um, I, I, I just, when he started playing possum and yes, he was hurt. It, it just, man, that's, it just creates those wild sequences where you're like, what the hell are we going to see? But credit to JDS. He avoided getting, he, but by the way, he ate a vicious counter right hand right. early in that fight, showed you the chin, avoided getting in any trouble, stuck with what got him there. And when JDS has you hurt, he's going to finish you. And he took care of business. Still got it. He still got it. Heavyweights age late. There was a time we said he was kind of done from those three cane fights. But at 35, he's a stone's throw out from another title shot if somebody gets injured. And that's the best thing you can ask for. JDS. Go ahead, Michael. I, uh, so I thought JDS looked very good. And exactly to your point, Brian, like we all counted him out a couple years ago because he did not look good. But I feel like he's kind of revamped himself, and I feel like with the right path, he will get a title shot. Because there's not many people up there, and I mean, everyone's throwing out Nganu as his next fight. But I think maybe one more before Nganu, and that's possibly the right path to the title for him. I don't know if I don't know if his skills are fully there, 
to challenge for the title, but I would love to see him in there. I mean, there's no one else to really challenge for the title. So give him one or two fights and then throw him in there if well, he wins them. His problem, Jack, is that there's a uh, Brock Lesnar-sized bottleneck at the top of the division, and it's sort of holding the future hostage. So while JDS is in that good veteran spot where it's like stay active, stay by your phone, stay healthy, you never know. You know, that Frank Mir-type call can come where you're suddenly fighting for the title when you don't deserve it. Or he could just be in line behind Brock and Stipe. And maybe John Jones one day. I don't know if this guy ever gets back to the top, but he's at least proven that he's better than all the B and B minus guys they got. Yeah, right right now, without a doubt, especially after Saturday, like Junior Dos Santos is one of my favorite stories right now in UFC. Just because like like Michael alluded to, like he's revamped himself when we thought he was done his we thought his days were over. And we're starting to see in the last three fights, that's not really the case. And what I like about JDS the most is Right now, he's the most consistent thing in a heavyweight division that desperately needs some action. And, yeah, that includes Cormier. We don't know what's going on with Daniel. We we don't really know everything about the injury he's dealing with, who he's going to fight next. Brock, we don't know when Brock's going to show up. Francis, he got exposed, and he's on his way back. Credit to him. Like, they're trying to they're trying to uh, rehab him to get him back to the level they wanted him to be at. Um, right now, JDS is the most consistent thing at the heavyweight division. I can't believe we're saying that in 2019, but it's awesome. <laughs> it really is. It is. Um, it's, it's a cool narrative to see him turn it all the way back around. Just me personally, I think you do a third with Stipe because I think it kills two birds with one stone. Um, well, you're going to kill JDS if that's the bird, well, that's the, 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 sto- the bird you're looking I, to kill. Well, we see, we don't, we don't know about this JD. That's what makes it exciting. Because, but here's, here's why, because people, and I saw Francis's tweet after Saturday and people have been calling for a Francis fight. Not yet. I don't think so. I think you do JDS and Stipe because Stipe, I think is, well, he, I think he's realized, but he tried. He's not going to get an immediate rematch against Cormier. It's not going to happen. And Cormier has said, he fights another fight and proves himself, then all right, I'm all for it. So you have the former heavyweight champion who, yeah, lost in embarrassing fashion to Cormier. But still, historic reign. He does deserve a shot. I don't say embarrassing. Hold that phone, Jacko. Well, it wasn't. He fought well in that fight. It was, you know, this it, was like Derek Lewis may have been an embarrassing loss to Cormier, not Stipe. Respect the man. I mean, to a respect, like getting clocked by a wrestler that was supposed to wrestle you. That's that's kind of it, it teeters on the level of embarrassment, at least. BC. I mean, come on. Like we we all we all wrote, we all talked. We said Daniel's going to go in there. He's going to jump on his back and he's going to twist him. And Daniel goes in there and clocks him and puts him to sleep. Like I have a loss for uh, JDS to avenge. What if, what if we uh, throw Alistair Overeem in there? I guess. Oh. I mean, I that is, that is, per, so for, here's the thing. He really wants that. We had him on the show about four or five months ago. Uh, Brandon talked to him and he would not stop talking about that. The fight he wants more than anything outside of a Stipe trilogy is an Overeem fight. You know, that's safe matchmaking because Overeem's in full retread wash mode. Yeah. You keep JDS alive. He can run one back. I like where your head is at there, Mikey. The problem, of course, is that bottleneck I mentioned. I actually do. I've got one. 
Um, and I got it from your mom. I don't care I, where you got it from, Brock. You're holding it hostage. And it's just like we get frustrated at Dana for a lot of reasons. He rewards the wrong people. And you're either in or you're out with Dana. And you're normally in if you're a quote-unquote company man and you drink the whiskey backstage and you'll fight anyone on any given notice. That's why Max Holloway, by the way, got to skip the line and get this random interim featherweight – or I'm sorry, lightweight title bout. It's just ridiculous that we're going to reward, even with his ability to sell, reward of Brock Lesnar coming off of a failed – a blatant failed steroid test – and not reward a GSP who's trying to exit as a three-division champion and trying to give you a historic moment against Habib. So we go, no, GSP's pro-union. We're done with him. Go retire, broski. Go hang out with Brandon in Montreal. But, hey, this sack of roids, uh, Lesnar, you know, Merry Christmas to you. What else can what else you want me to say? I mean, uh, uh, Merry Christmas to Brock Lesnar. Yeah, indeed. But here's the problem with that, okay? If they made that decision swift and definitive and we had already seen Brock get his chance at D.C. and D.C. cashed in, we would have been probably okay with it in the end. It came and it went and it's over. Problem is right now, there's a lot in the UFC of non-decision making. We're seeing it with the flyweights. We don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know if your boy uh, uh, Henry's going to be facing TJ in a rematch or if he's going to defend against Benavides. And we don't know at heavyweight because Dana will not pick up the phone and call Brock because he goes, when Brock's ready, he's going to call me. So what does that do? It leaves all of your heavyweight contenders having no idea of what's coming next. Stipe doesn't know if he should sign on and fight an Nganu or somebody on the underneath or just wait for Brock not to come back and DC to go, all right, I'm ready, Stipe. Let's do this rematch in July because UFC really needs a main event. It's, 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 what would, uh, what would our boy, um, you know, our, our guy Habib say? This is number one bullshit. How do you get a, uh, like, UFC? You're already in sell your soul mode. You're going to make decisions that are absurd, but make the damn decision. Am I right? The heavyweight division should know where it's at and where it's going. Not like, well, if Vince doesn't throw a ton of money, Vince McMahon, meaning at Brock, then we may see him again this spring. No. I mean, it's it's a mainstream story, but I, I truly believe that had WWE superstar Roman Reigns not had to take that extended leave of absence because he was dealing with leukemia. I honestly believe that we may have either had this DC Brock sideshow over with by now, or we'd just be getting ready for it. But what happened was when Reigns had to take time away, Vince opened up the vault, threw it at Brock, and they, they had to give him that title back, and he had to stick around for a little bit. But nothing, like point. I said with JDS, like he's the most consistent thing in the heavyweight division because no one knows what's going on with the heavyweight division. We, we Like I said, we got Brock Lesnar. We don't know what he's doing. There, there are people who believe that by the end of the year, John Jones is going to be the heavyweight champion. Like, but the, like you said, it's got to stop this cloudiness in the heavyweight division. But then it's not going to stop it because he he loves it. He he just loves it for some reason. He loves giving these weird answers. He he th- he thinks it's like the cool thing to do to keep it keep it mysterious. Like he has one of the greatest of all time as his champion right now. Who's going to fight him? Well, I don't know. Brock's doing this. It might be John. I. Yeah, guess what, Dana? It's not cool. I'm the boss. No, it's the... I'm the boss. It's my way and no other way. End of story, you know? Take that, Jack. Take that. <laughs> well, yeah, because, I mean, like, let's be honest here. Like, they've, like, Daniel took the heavyweight championship, and then he, they needed, they, they realized that we need to keep him in action, so they gave him Derek Lewis, which they knew was going to be over, just like Brock is. I'm sorry, but Brock Lesnar steps in that octagon with Daniel Cormier. It's going to be the same thing. Daniel's going to twist him. 
Or John no. Jones or JDS or insert name, non-roided up Brock, or maybe you just straight up let him roid up again and be like, yeah, he's not coming back anyway. Hey, you saw the line one. We don't care. You know, I mean, like it's, it's a joke, but you made a good point. Let's get that joke over with so it can be over. Mike, do you think DC's even injured? I don't mean to start a conspiracy theory here, but like, can we get some definitive uh, terms on if he's going to come back or what it might look like? I would love to have definitive terms on anything in the ufc they jack is right they're keep he dana white loves to keep us in the dark and i don't get it why not just lay it out hey dc's hurt in three weeks we're gonna figure out what fight he's taking next or we're waiting on this just let us know let the fans know yeah yeah now I, i i do think though for as much as dana likes to keep us all in the dark i do think there is an end game here and i always have he wants John Jones as his heavyweight champion. I truly believe that. I do believe he wants John Jones as his heavyweight champion. But he wants to reward DC first, right? Before? That's where, that's where things get a little tricky. Because he, he loves DC. He does. He loves Company it, like, man. Company men's perform, but they protect company men's. And especially as this light heavyweight division, aside from Johnny Walker, cough, cough. Oh God. That, yeah. Sorry. As this light heavyweight division starts to, thin out more and more and more. Dana's loving it because he's going to eventually either have to tell John, look, man, put the pounds on. Come on, let's just do this. Embarrass these guys up here. Because I told, I think I told you, BC, after 235, I don't think there's a person at heavyweight that could even come close to competing with John Jones. No. no. I don't think there is. Like, if John goes up there, he'll have that heavyweight title like that. He'll have that greatest of all time if he doesn't already like that. It'll be over. I mean, when he starts exposing these guys and becomes a champ champ, uh, at 6'4", with that reach and that speed and that cre- – and, and he can wrestle. And, John, do that. We don't need you to take Johnny Walker's soul. We don't need you to ruin Dom Reyes' career. We don't need to see anything but you and DC for a John third Jones, time. get your together. I'm waiting for you. Yeah, so am I, DC. Let's do this thing. And the last point, and the last point about that, the only thing really holding it back is like John has to prove himself outside of the cage. Like I can see where Dana right now, like I, I do, I, I believe he wants it, but I also believe like Dana, Dana says dumb things, but Dana is not a dumb person. Like Dana wants this, but he also wants to look at John and go, just please don't mess up. Just take yeah. a couple fights at light heavyweight, do your thing, prove that you're the greatest. And then, but just stay out of trouble so I can make, he wants, he, he wants to make him the poster boy of that heavyweight division so badly. And I, I'll never say Which is weird because it's the only non-company guy that he consistently protects and goes to bat for. And I mean, look, he's the greatest fighter of all time and he does draw, not draw on Connor, uh, or, or Rousey or even Brock levels, but does draw is a consistent draw, GSP level draw. So. Yeah, that's just, it's so weird, man. It's so interesting. I, I just, I need less Brock. I need more Brock in WWE and less Brock in I'm UFC. I'm a white boy and I'm jacked. Deal with yeah, it. Yeah, I'll deal with it. You can get your one cash out. Go for it, bro. Well, that's, I mean, look, I, would you want to see like JDS Brock? Would you want to see like, I'd see Overeem Brock too. I'd see, uh, Rousey's husband against Brock. Come on, give me, give me something creative. Give me something where Brock might be able to win rather than putting him in these title fights he doesn't deserve. Like why, uh, man? I'm I'm mad now. All right, all right, that's it. But uh, JDS is back in the bullpen at least. Uh, gun to your head, guys. What's the next heavyweight title fight, interim or full? Gun to your head. When, where, or not where, but when, and what's the fight? Go ahead, Michael. Oh man. <laughs> I guess DC 
I'm going to say they choke and end up doing DC Stipe too. I don't know why. I'm thinking that or, too. As a, like, as like a Brock's on the fence. Yeah. International fight weeks come in. Some other champion in another division gets hurt. We're 33 days out. We have no main event. Stipe's sitting there calling every day, leaving the same message from the firehouse, right? <laughs> I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the list of heavyweights and. Yeah. What Jack is saying is just replaying through my head. John Jones will embarrass some of these names on the top 15 ranking. Like, he will embarrass these guys to the point where, like, people will have no respect for the heavyweight division when he's done with it. And I know that's not what we're talking about. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't see anything interesting besides those, the freak fight, Cormier Jones, or Cormier, um, Lesnar, Jones Lesnar. Cormier Jones, any of those. Jack, what do you got? Is it a stretch to really say that we don't see DC until International Fight Week? Oh, damn right we're not seeing DC until then. I mean, oh, God. If JDS doesn't somehow find his way in there. He's not. I do I do have to agree with Michael. I think that Dana's going to, he's going to carry on this charade long enough where he's going to have to give in to Stipe. I think Stipe might actually... To his detriment, to his detriment, he, like, this whole, that I, like, it might actually work in his favor, because if that, if JDS can't work his way in, like, what do you do? And especially if there's no Brock. Brock is obviously the wild card here, which sucks. We already talked about that, but no, I, I, I I'll agree with Michael, actually. I think, I think Stipe might force his way in there, because they have no other choice. I just really hope we see the third Jones DC fight at heavyweight has to be at heavyweight has to be for the championship guys. There's a rare thin there of fights. I have anticipated on an inhumane, like giddy young kid fan level in UFC history, right? Uh, I got the poster right over my shoulder. Brock Shane Carwin was one. I, it was like WrestleMania three levels of hype. I was, I was in for it. The second yeah. chail. Anderson Silva fight, even though it didn't play out well, the build, the hype, like, oh, hell yeah. Connor, uh, against Habib, cause I happened to be there, was one of those, like, I cannot believe I, this is gonna finally happen. What's it gonna look like? Maybe other people are burnout. I'm not. Jones DC3 wins the whole rivalry for whoever wins because of the drug issues. And at heavyweight, it's DC's best chance. I just hope we get there. So if DC has to beat, Lesnar and some money grab, or if he has to work his ass off and beat Stipe and then do a fake retirement and then come back the next year and finally do the third fight with Jones. However we get there, we have to get there for my fan hole. Dana, fill my fan hole. Yes. No? Yes. I'm, I'm with you. There's, so this is what I don't get is like, so in boxing, you'll have these champions face off three, four, five, five times. Like, and it's like, when? why not? Do that with when you have two people in the fifties in the nineteen fifties. Maybe fighters fought five times. Nobody fights five times anymore. What did uh? What's um? Pacquiao and Pacquiao Marcus fought four times. It was it, four it, times. Okay. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, throw DC in there, DC and Jones in there a million times. I'm watching yes. it. I'm paying that pay per view money. Those two hate each other, and they bring. They bring something out in the fan, I feel like, where I'm more invested in this fight than anything else. Yes. I remember watching both yeah. those fights and being like, I remember screaming as if I was emotionally invested in one of the two, and I'm not. Like, I could care less. I don't prefer either of them as a favorite fighter, but 
I'm sitting there as if I'm watching my favorite fighter go to war. Like those guys draw you in. Hashtag fight, fight forever. A million times. Mikey, fight forever. So what, to get to that point, Jack, we would need DC to beat Jones at heavyweight. But imagine if he did. Imagine if DC wins a fun ass five round decision against Jones at heavyweight. And then Jones is like, I gotta run this back. I mean, this is, pr- print the if, monies, please. If da- yeah, it's just, if Daniel Cormier beats John Jones at heavyweight, decision, just wins the fight at heavyweight, Dana White would pass out right in front of the cage. He would drop right then and there, just thinking of the money that's about to roll in for him. And you'd have DC saying, nope, I'm retired. I win the rivalry. Jones, I mean, it would just, the drama, everything. Anderson, please plead on our behalf. Anderson. Oh, come on, Anderson. I say, come on, Dana. Come on, Dana. Come on. Dana say, no, 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 no. I say, yeah, 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 yeah. And Dana say, no, 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 no. I say, yeah, 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 yeah. Why not? Yeah, why not, Dana? Make Anderson Connor already. Please, please us all. Please us all. All right. That's the, uh, that's the heavyweight picture. Shout out to JDS. You're back. You're not washed. I'm not ready to throw you in the deep end of the pool just, le- just yet, but it is coming, brother. Um, Jack, I didn't know a lot about your homeboy, Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos coming in. Should we, I mean, should we care about this guy? Should we? In the seven overall welterweight picture? Seven wins in a row and against top-notch competition. I mean, Milliner, you know, he's an established name. There's that. But other than that, you know, no really like notable names that he's defeated. But to me, it was just the timing of it because here we are just coming off on bringing in a new era in the welterweight division. So, and it, you know, I mean, obviously Tyron might get another shot at the title and might not, you know, who knows, but it's, you know, from his performance at 235, it, it seems like no, his no, head is, no. he's mentally checked out of all oh, yeah. of this. And by the way, just to remind you, not a company guy, not getting a rematch anytime yeah. soon. You're going the TJ no. Dillashaw route, brother. Yeah, but, uh, no, seven fight, cause I admittedly didn't know too, too much about him either. Um, leading up to the event, just did some small research on him, but seven fights in a row, something you can't ignore. You can't ignore seven wins in a row. And like I said, I love the guy's demeanor after the fight where, you know, they try to press, like, what do you want? And he didn't stand there. Sometimes, it, it, some people see it as a good thing. It usually annoys me when these guys are like, give me the champion right now. This guy stood there stone-faced and just said, give me a top five fighter and I'll beat him. Right. And I said, I like this guy. Like, right. this guy's, like, he's telling you, I, look, I have seven fights in a row. I just submitted this dude. I Like, look, I'll do whatever I have to do to get my title shot. I'm just impressed, but but this is what I like about the UFC, especially when a division opens up a little bit. I like to learn about these guys, and I like to watch them grow. And I think that's what we have here with Zaleski Dos Santos, if he keeps winning, because he's going to earn a shot eventually. He's on my radar. He got my attention. Three minutes to submit him, he got my attention. want to yeah. see more. Uh, the other notes I want to say about this card was uh, tough to see Big Ben Rothwell coming back after three years. First of all, not like I, I'm not shouting. I'm a John Anik guy to to the death. Mikey, we go back to MMA Live. We go back to the beginning. Until I'm only one show brings it every week, and they got three hosts. No one else can beat. I'm talking Anik, the man. Don't text and drive. But obviously, somebody was in his ear saying on this UFC ESPN Plus broadcast, 
Do not mention drugs or USADA. I don't know criminally how they got away with that. Oh, you know, he's been gone. This is a long layoff. No, he's been gone because of USADA and he popped. Either way, three hey. years later, Ben Rothwell was back. He didn't look bad against Blagoy Ivanov. In fact, I thought he deserved hey. to have edged and won that decision. He ends up losing 29-28 on all three scorecards unanimously. Tough setback for the big man. He definitely won it in the third round, but yeah... You like I didn't realize at first, but when you pointed out to me that they didn't mention the USADA test, the drug test once, I said, ah, I caught up on that. But that also seems to be a theme in the ESPN era here, because remember leading up to Francis Kane, how many times did you see Francis get beat by Stipe, or how many times? Any? How many times did you see anything negative about Francis Ngannou? No, instead he was Mike Tyson. Yeah. Which I understand from their perspective. The only one in the ESPN era who's getting called out is Greg Hardy, it seems like. I'll give ESPN credit. They, 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 they addressed that appropriately, although it was a stupid ass decision to put him on that card. They, they addressed it appropriately. Because with an NFL tie in, like you really can't dance around that one. But like there is, there is a theme here where like ESPN understands it to probably bring in new people that maybe not know. So they, they're going to portray guys like Francis again. Like they're going to ignore certain things that happened prior to their era. But no, I I definitely like Rothwell. He got screwed because that third round he won the fight. Yeah, straight up, he, he clearly did. won the fight in that third round. With but that you got to give Ivanov credit. He was uh, cut under both eyes. That was that was an old school sort of heavyweight tumble. You know, both guys getting bloodied and rocked. It was, it was a fun little piece of business they did. Oh, it was fun. It, it was fun for what it was. It was just about what we expected from those two. But no, it was fun. All right. The only other thing that jumped out of me on this card was how about. I don't know what to call him anymore. Tony Martin, Rocco Martin, Anthony Rocco Martin, Mr. Kayla Harrison. Four straight wins. The welterweight takes the decision from Sergio Marais. Dude, this guy's a con- – like, I don't want to uh, grade him on body language, but this guy's a confident-ass dude yeah. who's a suddenly a welterweight to watch. I mean, been around in the UFC for, for a hot second there going back to 2014, but he seems to be putting it together. Maybe all that uh, rolling with Kayla Harrison. You know, you know where I'm going with this, Mike? Maybe that's, uh, oh. toughened him up a bit, no? No, it was, it was, it, it was good. It was a good performance. And again, like, it's funny. I just talked about this. Like the, the slowly but surely with these guys on winning streaks and, um, their, their performances, like this welterweight division is going to be something you're going to want to keep an eye on throughout the rest yeah, of the year. It's turning over, which is fun to see. Yeah. Like, well, let's, let's just get the Colby Covington nonsense out of the way, please. Like, let's, <laughs> let's get that over and done with and just get it out of our lives so we can, because underneath all of that circus is a pretty tight division that's starting to come together here. Mike, speaking of Colby and the welterweight division, um, oh God. I know you didn't see the Tony Martin fight, but you did see Michael, uh, Colby attacking Dana White with that, with that video at the craps table. Remember that? Remember that? That was, that was interesting. Well, we talked about that. Um, but my point, the question I want to make is, did we, did we gloss over too quickly that there was a woman next to Dana who seemed to jump out of the picture once that cell phone camera got there? You have any comments on that? Uh, I mean, no comment, no comment. You know, right, Dana right. probably has the same thing. No comment. Dana's, whatever happened in Vegas is going to, st- oh wait, that's where it all happens for Dana. Yeah, <laughs> that's it right there. Hey, uh, UFC Wichita. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Mike, what's going on in the latest news? Let's get into it. Let's get deep into the, the news cycle here. What's happening? So we got some news right out of South Florida. We got a, it looks like we got a main event. Yoel Romero versus Jacare Souza too. So what happened to, to, to our guy, Paulo Costa, the male model from Brazil? Uh, it, it looks like they just decided to take Jacare out there. Yeah. Jack, did, it just seems like they chose Souza. Literally, that's, that's what happened. Cause I actually, I wrote the, the story for the site. That's literally how Dana White explained it. It was just Souza got the fight because they decided. Now, Costa was in the running. Like that for a while, that was the plan. It was going to be Romero Costa. And just, I don't know, maybe a week before or whatever, they just changed their mind to do Souza. So, I mean, you know, that's Dana is what it is. You know, one day our boy Paulo is going to get his due and we're all going to be happy. And we're going to do a whole two-hour pod just on him alone, but just on what he's smashing outside the cage. Um, I will say this: I like this fight a lot. Uh, shout out to all you in the Florida office there, Mikey, who may have a chance to uh, see this in person in Fort Lauderdale, April twenty seventh. Rematch, of course, of a fight we've already seen. A fight that I didn't feel like really lived up to expectations. That was a split decision, correct? The first time around. Yes. And I really didn't feel like we got a handle on who won that fight, and it came at an important time there, but. With Souza coming off that knockout of Weidman and, and kind of being a quasi-title contender here, and Romero still lingering off those two Whitaker fights, the winner's going to be propped up. The winner's going to be an, an interesting potential title contender ready right away for whatever happens in this mess between Whitaker's bowels coming back healthy against the winner of Gastelum Adesanya at 2-3-6. Uh, you'd have to think whatever these two veterans coming out of here, they're going to get it. They could get a title shot before the end of 2019. I'm just happy we get an event here where we don't have to sit and hold our breath about Yoel making championship weight. Well, you may. Well, that's that's fair, a little stressful. No, yes, of course, make it, but making championship weight, that's just a little stressful. He's got to love that. I love it. <laughs> yes. you soon. See you soon. Yeah. At 186 pounds for the middleweight uh, fight there against uh, Jacare, the Gator, the guys holding on. Good old Jacare. Um, I was surprised by this, guys. June 1st, UFC Stockholm. Gustafson in the main event coming off the loss to Jones in their UFC 229 rematch. Not, or it was a 232. Um, my twos are all over the place. What the hell was that fight? That was 232, correct? Yeah, 232. Uh, it's going to be against Anthony Smith. Wow. So this is a quick turnaround. Smith coming just off the loss to John Jones two weeks ago, the five round beatdown. He's getting his name back in the headlines quick. Uh, is Uncle Dana cashing this dude out or is he? trying to use him to get rid of Gustafson, or is this just a good-ass fight? I was very surprised by this. Yeah, you're get, Well, to me, like, 
it seems like the Anthony Smith thank you tour, like for all he did, especially taking those fights on short notice last year. Like it seems like Dana, like Dana, somewhere in there he does have a heart. Well, and I think he, he has a heart a for company men. Well, Jacko, yeah, when, right? when Anthony Smith just stepped up and said, sure, Uncle Dana, I'll do this. Sure, Uncle Dana, I'll do this. He kind of said, all right, you know what, man? You're going to get a main event against John Jones. How's that? He was like, wow. Then he goes, how about this? You're going to get another main event over in Sweden. Well, you forgot the- about the gift he gave UFC in between, not causing that to be a DQ loss against Jones, which would have given Smith the title and that- an unnecessary rematch. Company man, here you go. So, yeah, I guess he's getting it. But, look, this is no easy out. I mean, no. Gustafson, as good as it gets in the 205 division underneath John Jones, and it's not like he took a crap load of damage against John Jones. He just got broken down and then ground and pounded on, the, you know, and he was done. This is going to be a fun-ass fight, and we're going to find out, is Smith the guy we thought he might have been entering the Jones fight? Because, look, I, I said it before I'll say it again. I don't understand how Anthony Smith could be that ballsy after he did nothing against John Jones and was lucky to survive after taking a beating. And he's trying to be like, well, you know, Jones isn't that good. I don't really know what happened to me, but, uh, you know, he didn't out, he didn't, he didn't outdo me. No, he destroyed you and stopped you from throwing back. So he's got a lot to live up to in my mind to come out there, win or lose. I mean, he could, there's a, you know, he could get a competitive loss and still be somewhat elevated here because, like I said, Gustafson probably the best thing going at 205 until we figure out who yeah. Johnny Walker really is. But, um, wow. I mean, Dan, this, you're right. Maybe this is just a straight up reward. If you're this good, go beat Gustafson and you probably will be back in the title picture. Yeah, it's mo- it's mostly it's mostly a reward, I think. But also, like we talked we talked about earlier, like the light heavyweight division right now is very, very, very thin, and they're hoping for big things for Johnny Walker. Like, if they can get that dude up to a certain level, then they might be good. Well, I mean, they'll be good for a little bit. But I mean, otherwise, you look at two hundred five, and John Jones has just vanquished everyone. So right now, this is, I think, what Dana's hoping for is one of them, either Smith or. Gustafson gets maybe a quick knockout loss, something, something really to bring you out of your seat. So he has even the smallest bit of excuse to say, okay, yeah, either one of these guys, they, yeah, they lost to John Jones, but look, they're on the way back. That's like, you know, they went at it and maybe like they're on the road back to maybe getting another title shot just to keep some sort of intrigue in that 205 pound division. All right, Mikey, hear me out on this theory. You ready? Ready for this theory? Dana's not sure whether he should force John Jones to heavyweight or not. But he knows if he is going to force John Jones, everybody's going to need gatekeeper Alexander Gustafson to be there as the potential A-side in a passing of the torch vacant light heavyweight championship bout. So if Gustafson loses here, he's not that guy. Maybe we don't send John Jones up right away. But if he does and he blows away Anthony Smith, you refreshed Gustafson. If you need to prop up Jones to fight either Cormier or Lesnar, depending on the situation at that moment, you can always fall back with an interim bout with Alexander Gustafson against Johnny Walker or Dom Reyes, who fights this weekend, who's the next sort of the next rising thing. What do you think? I like the idea as long as it's getting Jones into the heavyweight Please division. Keep on pushing. I'll be fired up for that. Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. A lot of people will be rich with John Jones at heavyweight there. Uh, speaking of Connor McGregor, uh, we didn't talk about this last week, right? It broke after our show. Yeah, I think it broke right after the show. We, the, the Connor Cerrone thing's falling apart. Uh, the call, it seems to have, we knew Dana had mentioned that it's not going to be next. What we didn't know at the airing of last week's show was the reason why, and suddenly we're leaking out that Connor McGregor was not happy about the idea of this potentially being a co-main event non-title bout. 
Guess what, guys? He has all the reason to be. It's Connor freaking McGregor. He broke all of your pay-per-view records. You could put him in a debate against Nate Diaz and make it the main event of a pay-per-view, and it will sell five times as much as the main event of Amanda Nunez versus Rocky Pennington did as a pay-per-view. Wake up. Get it right. Connor's a company man. Yes, he is. Why are we even having this discussion? It leads me to believe this. Is this Dana doing some weird disciplining of Connor, who's coming off of a loss and trying to dictate a little more of the financial terms and saying, you will be the co-main event. You will not be getting as many pay-per-view points. You will be this. You will be that. I don't know. Is there, le- is this, is there finally leverage when we consider that Connor had more leverage over the last two years than any fighter ever in UFC history when you combine his stardom, his buys, and his company manness leading up to that? How, if you're Dana, where you're selling your soul actively and willingly at any turn to create an interim title to put it as a main event, why would you think that you couldn't put Connor against anyone as a pay-per-view main and you don't need a title because you're pushing a million buys and that's the business we're in? Explain this to me. Somebody defend Dana here, please. I can't. Yeah, I can't either. That, 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 that's ridiculous to think that Connor's not a main event anywhere. That's, that's insane. You could have McGregor fight start fighting number 15, number 14, and every single one of those pay-per-views, the number 15 fighter in the lightweight division, Connor will make that dude sell close to a million pay-per-views. Right. It, it doesn't matter who this he's going to fight. Mike, if this was an era where UFC was like, we're all about our rankings, we're all about this, we're all about that, it's a non-title bout, it can't main event. Well, last time I checked, wasn't McGregor Diaz a non-title bout and it's the best-selling fight in UFC history? I mean, outside of Connor against Habib, so... What are we doing here? We're selling our soul left and right. We're rewarding everyone. We're not going to reward Connor for being a star here? Yeah, this this one confused me a lot. The, the only theory I could think of is that it's not so much punishment or anything against Connor. It might be some way of Dana telling Cerrone he doesn't think he can hold up his end of the bargain, which it is that's a, that's ridiculous to think anyway because we know Donald can tie like this. I I want this. I, I be, I've been telling you that for weeks. I want Donald Connor so badly because I can't wait for those those press conferences. And so I, but no, someone's going to have to inform me someday what Dana's thinking here by proposing this as a co-main event because it is off the wall ridiculous. I, I, there's so many weird. Con- it's like like I, I say about the consistency. If you're going to be consistently corrupt and immoral. Just be consistent. That's fine. Don't be this left and right stuff where it's like, where are we going on this? I don't get it. I've smelt this fight before. It smells great. It is a beautiful aroma that arouses me. Yes, it's it's really the 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 it's really shinily wrapped as a Connor Get Well fight. Yet it's hot fire action, and he yeah he could lose, but it's the perfect Get Well fight in an era in a time when you don't get Get Well fights, especially not the pay per view main event level, unless Brock Lesnar's involved. So this is just very. uh yeah, it's it's a head scratcher. Uh, I need we do this often. It's gone to your head time on Connor. When, when, where, who? What, what do you got, guys? When are we seeing Connor again? Against two? Against two? Against two? Please, what do you got for me? Don't make me bring in Teddy Atlas here. What, what are we doing here? Who is it going to be against? Please, give me one more second. Mm-hmm. Against two? Against two? Against two? Right. Against two? Wow, that really. Because I, because I, I, the only reason I'm saying that, like, I'm usually good at thinking of opponents, but I really thought this Connor Donald thing was going to come together. Dana was on board with it, Donald was on board with it, Connor was on, but like everything seemed great until this. So, like, I kind of trained myself to think that this is coming next. Um, 
probably sometime early fall we'll see Connor. I think we're going to go that far. Sometime early fall, after the summer and everything. We're going to give him that fall card again. And New York, New York? New York would be good. That'd be, that'd be good for him. Go back to where he became a double champ. And uh, maybe, it, maybe it is Donald, because that's really the only one I, I can see, because there's no title shot in Connor's future, really. At this point, not right now. Um, but Jacko, aren't we scratching our heads at how they're handling Tony Ferguson slash did Tony really turn down the max interim lightweight title bout? Which no. is, again, doesn't seem to make sense unless he was lowballed. I don't know all the details, but it's weird. Is there any way Connor Tony ends up being the fall thing for an interim title? Not that we would need an interim title, but I guess you could say, uh, Habib is still suspended and doesn't want to fight in Vegas and there's all these weird things. You can float an interim title for no reason anymore. Are we going to get surprised by Connor Tony? I think that's a bad move. I think it's too soon for Connor, but am I missing it here? Ah, uh, it's a, that'd be a very tough fight for Connor. Yeah. Very tough for Connor. I, like, uh, I, I actually, I think Tony beats Khabib. I've, I've said that. I think Tony yeah. beats, I think Tony beats Khabib if that happens. I love Tony. Like everyone, I don't, I never make that a secret, but I, but I just, yeah, if Connor gets in the cage with Tony, then the UFC is going to have a problem on their hands because yeah. I think Tony's going to take care of them. And then we start talking about, uh oh, is Con- can we put Connor in the main events? Because now it's two in a row. That's a fair Here, point. I'll give you, I'll give you the best case scenario that the UFC needs. They need Poirier to win this fight, and then you have Connor fight Dustin. You're damn right. And there. then you could have him fight Habib again and get killed. But, also, though, if Max wins, they could do Connor yeah, Max rematch. Connor Max rematch would be fun. That would be. Yeah, only because there's, like, not just, like, the distance in between the two fights. What I always liked about doing Max Connor again is that it's a different weight class. That's what I like because it's, see, like, 145 was one thing. But one of the things I like about Holloway that I, we, I mean, we'll see in Atlanta. But I think, like, the, even the, the extra pounds he's going to put on, like, Max hits, like, a tank already. At 145 pounds when that guy punches. His punches, his punching power is amazing. Now, when he you throw 10 pounds on him, holy crap. Well, that's what happened with Poirier. When Poirier went up to lightweight, he became more powerful. And that's what makes him so much more dangerous than he was down at 145. Same thing's going to happen with Max, which is, well, which makes Max Dustin so intriguing. But that's going to happen with Max. So, I mean, it is like there's a crowd waiting for Connor. And there's a lot of things you could do. They were both so young when they first fought yes. on Holloway. They they were both so young. So no that doubt. that fight was back in 2013. So six years ago, Max Holloway was 21. All right, it's, it's not crazy. Gonna, it's crazy. It's not going to be Connor Nate three because every every public quote from Nate is like, no, UFC's freezing me out. That you know, and that well, seems to be is what it is. But if you're potentially Gonna think about using Connor in a one-off that doesn't matter. So look, Connor coming off two losses is, is, would be a tough thing to a certain degree. But there are losses that can be done in other divisions or in special fights that wouldn't hurt as much, which is why I've made the, the case for Connor, uh, Anderson Silva in the past as sort of a creative, weird, oddball, catchway, gas station hot dog type, can't avoid it, need it, want it, put it in my veins now type of fight. How about this as one in that category? You take advantage of Ben Askren being red ass hot. And you do some kind of Connor Ben Askren 165 catch would, weight fun ass fight. You that give, would be too bad for Connor. That would, I think Connor, I think yeah, Askren man. would just take him down and it would be look, very, that bad. is put, I, playing right I, into Connor's weak spot. Yeah. I, no, yeah. 
I understand there was controversy. I know you guys probably talked about this last week, but like Ben Askren, he he won not just in the win loss column against Robbie. That dude got demolished and then had the wherewithal to still get up. Like I don't care what anybody like. He was eventually going to crank Robbie's head off. Like that dude, his skills are insane. And he got to show everybody just briefly until Herb Dean said, okay, enough. You guys saw the, the video where he crushes the two watermelons yeah. in, in his oh, arms. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would, that, I saw that video I, and I was thinking I would be crying this, if I was Robbie Law. Yeah. Now I, at 170 pounds. I know this by, I think we all agree. Ben Askren would take Connor and that would be humiliating for the UFC. And the only reason Connor, why I threw that out there was the idea that if Ben happened to have won, then you made a star of him overnight. You are maximizing yeah. his star because he'll talk trash through that whole build and then he'll win. But it's not like Ben Askren is a company man. No, he's not. Uh So those the quotes leading up to those fights would be the funniest. Oh Could you imagine God. Conor McGregor making fun of pasty Ben Askren oh, and then so what good. Ben Askren has to say back? Because he can talk. He can talk. It'd be, it'd be amazing. Did I not know I'm half black? You, you have Connor screaming on one end, hey! and then you have monotone Ben Askren coming back with the insults. That would, that would be great. All right. Yeah. But you can't get Connor a second straight loss in that spot. So no. yeah, let's, let's just go Connor co- cowboy or yeah. you're going to be crazy and roll the dice at Connor Tony. Uh, then you have to be prepared to make a star out of Tony because he's probably going to win that fight. Yeah. And then you got to do Habib. And I don't care if you need seven more chances to get that fight to finally consummate. By the way, Tony did put out an Instagram post that said, I could maintain weight between 170 and 180 in case Holloway or Poirier get hurt. This is coming from the same man who just two weeks ago said, tweeted out, I can make 145 if I need to. He's getting in that lustful uh, late 2016 Habib area where it's like, I need a title shot so damn badly, I will sell yeah. my soul just to bang. Let me bang. Please, Robert Kraft, give me the directions. Let me bang. Just, right? yeah, it's just oh. odd because like, like, like we talked, like we talked about before. I mean, if, if he's going to sit out here and he's going to, you know, put out these Instagram posts that he could take a title in any division and he's just ready. And then why did you say no to Max Holloway? Cause like he's like BC, it's not really a conspiracy theory. They might have told him something and it's just, you know, publicly they're going to say, well, yeah, Tony turned it down, but then no one really asked the question. Why did he turn it down? You know why I love like, covering really UFC? Because we're having 45 minutes of this discussion, which is trying to figure out what's really going on at, yeah, inside the UFC. It's conspiracy theory. It's absurd, but that's the game. But in reality, because the sport and this, this company is so kind of the word corrupt is a bad word, but like just peculiar, it does make it a little bit more fun. Than not, it. not self-aware enough. Sometimes yes. Yes. The UFC. That's, I think that's the best one. They're not. And what, well, which is Dana, UFC, same thing, but not so much self-aware when they should be. Wow. Wow. All right. Uh, yeah, let's roll on in the news bracket. Uh, hey, this was weird and interesting. Paulie Malignaggi, the two division boxing champion, retired for two years. We, we hear him and love him calling fights on Showtime for boxing. He's 38 years old. He signs with this fledgling bare knuckle fighting championship league, which has been a catch all of uh, bottom of the food chain type of fights between aging Kendall Grove type X 
MMA stars. Now he kind of becomes the face of it, and it's all weird and wacky because Artem Lobov, Connor's for, you know, best friend, training partner, all that, just signed with them. Now we could kind of long-term build Pauly versus Artem Lobov and maybe Pauly Connor. And I only say that because check out the State of Combat boxing podcast this week where I did chat with Pauly Malnagy all about this, why he would do this, why, what the heck is in it for him outside of money. Does he think he can get Connor? Guys, uh, spoiler alert, he actually thinks he may be able to get Connor by beating the bags off Artem Lobov in a bare-knuckle boxing match. Uh, I actually... I could see Con- I could see Artem getting beat up so bad that Connor is so mad that he will do whatever it takes to fight Paulie. No way. All right, but see this is where I'm saying. No, absolutely not. That ain't happening. I don't care if I don't care what he does. That ain't happening. Come on. Maybe not in bare knuckle. Maybe not in bare knuckle. Dude, the build to that would be insane, though. The build to that of, I mean, it would drive you insane, but it would also be absolutely insane to just, like, hear Pauly going off all the time and Connor coming back and... I mean, it would be wild. It'd be crazy. Um, Paulie, no, you're not getting Connor under the BKFC banner. Here's the thing, and I and I brought this up to Paulie, and it's interesting. Here's a guy who didn't have a lot of power as a pro boxer because his hands were fragile. He was always breaking them, so he had to develop a quick, light hitting style that ultimately became his detriment late in his career when when the wheels slowed down. This is bare knuckle fighting. There's a reason why there's a lot more ex MMA guys in this than boxing guys. Dirty boxing and clinching and holding is allowed. And I don't know if you guys have actually, I know Jack, you have watched this at kind of at length. It's more about one big punch than it is jab, 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 because you can hurt your hands so easily. You have to get close to land something big. And it's more of like this weird blood and guts thing where Paulie is more of a sort of flashy boxer. I don't get it outside of the money, but in Paulie's eyes, if he takes on any of these second rate MMA guys in a boxing match, he feels he's going to win. Yeah, this place is not, and I don't know if Polly understands this or not. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But this place is not get in that ring and try to win on points. You're not sitting there trying to see how many jabs you could get in. That's not what this is about. <laughs> like, so I don't know if like that's his plan. Like, this is this is literally what it was advertised to be and what people thought it was going to be when it was announced. It's blood and guts, and it's fun. And these guys are out of shape. It's 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 just fun. It's like just the Haas fights everywhere. <laughs> It was so like I just I I just happened to turn it on that their first their first night that they uh, had an event and like like you said you and Brandon didn't watch so I said you know what I'm gonna watch it and tell them how it was it was some of the most and I was like guys you gotta watch this you have to watch this stuff you'll love it but no this isn't like Paulie's forte so I I don't know if unless he's just looking for some paychecks I I don't know I don't know he was saying he he knows he can't get Connor in an MMA match because it would be one sided he doesn't believe he can get Connor Connor into a boxing match because he's tried so he thinks the idea of the dirty boxing and the bare knuckles will lure Connor especially if he beats Lobov first but here's the deal UFC only first ever allowed Connor to do that Mayweather fight because they were going to get paid so handsomely and they did reportedly upwards of like forty million they banked for being a co promoter in that at a time yeah. in twenty seventeen where their pay per view was in the toilet coming off of losing Rousey and McGregor and they needed something there's no chance they're gonna let him go to bkfc which is like i mean this is like mma pornography this is like the bottom of the line you know what i mean like but hey 
you tell me you wouldn't tune in for him against Artem Lobo? Of course. Of yeah. course we will. And that gives them a face, a guy who can do some interviews and get that. B- you know, I mean, like, full disclosure, we've had a few of these BKFC guys on the pod, Rico Rodriguez, Kendall Grove. You run out of names quick who you'd want to talk to, and they and they pitch them at you, and you're like, nah, I don't, I don't think I need to talk to, insert obscenely washed, never was name. Paul will give them an identity. Look, there's a market, whether it's BKB or BKFC, there's a market for washed fighting. I mean, I'll give BKFC credit on this, and this is, but you know, they're still in the infant stages. They needed someone with a big name, and purely off of the. The verbal feud with Connor, Pauly is a name. So, you know, kudos to them for getting a name. But, you know, eventually they're going to come to that point where you have to get legitimate names. I don't think Pauly's that, but he's a name to draw some interest. And, yeah, if the Artem fight does come together, they'll get some eyeballs on their product. So good for them. Yo, 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 relax, relax, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean, Pauly. All right. Uh, Also in the news, uh, sad news, guys, BJ Penn's back. And I did this weird sort of double take where – BJ Penn's gonna fight Clay Guida. Oh hell yeah! Oh wait, no, no, I don't need to. No, I don't need. Oh wait, wait, no, no, I forgot. I forgot what year it is. No, 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 no. Why, why, guys? He hasn't won since Matt Hughes in like yeah. 2010, 09, something like that. Six fight losing streak. He's 40 years old. Um, it's sad. It's sad that they're gonna let him go on. He has nothing to gain or add. I mean, even ahead of the Yair Rodriguez fight a few years back, BJ was like, look, I'm back in it at Featherweight. I'm going to become the first three-division champion. You're like, you're not, but that's sellable. You're not dead yet. You're dead now, okay? So unless you're opening UFC Hawaii at the Loha Bowl and Max is in the main event and legendary uh, BJ Penn's in the co-main and you'll say, okay, whatever you're going to lose in your brain for this, it's worth it for your people. Stop it. Stop. No, this is this this is ridiculous. This shouldn't happen. I, I think we all have the same reaction, unless Michael, you think differently. But when you no. saw BJ Penn versus Clay Clay Guida, you said, "Why? Yeah, why? Why? They, they, one word. That's all. That's all. That's all you need. That's all you need. Just stop that crap, please. Stop that crap. Stop it. Stop it." That's it. I, I have nothing more to say on it. I'm out of here. I'm not, that's it. Show's over. No, just kidding. Oh, rolling out here. Uh, what else we got, Mike? Anything else worth talking about? This. This Anthony Johnson topic, because this is my favorite fighter in, oh, yeah. that ever was in the UFC. This has got, got my juices flowing. Anthony Johnson said he would come out of retirement only to fight John Jones and only at heavy. Oh, weight. yeah. Yeah. Now, when you, I would watch. Were, when you guys were talking about the heavyweight division earlier with JDS, I was sitting here and I was like, there is one name that could save the heavyweight division, and that is Rumble Johnson. Yeah. He, yeah, he's he would thick right now. So he's not making 205, so that's a good oh, idea. Oh, no, not, not a chance. I am going to be honest about something. I did not see that he said that. When you said Anthony, didn't he just get a restraining order slapped on him? Oh, I, I might have missed that. See, when you said Anthony Johnson news, I thought you were going that route, and you went a completely different direction. I'll have, I think that's because that's what I thought you were going for, but. Mike, we thought we were going to see this fight at some point, right? I remember the seeing the yeah, posters. Yeah, they even had a press were, conference, um, right? When what was the lead up to it? And then I feel like Cormier ended up fighting him instead. Was yeah, twenty fourteen, fifteen ish area. They fought. Um, they fought for the interim title instead. I remember that. Yeah. Like I, that? Yeah, really quick. Yeah, he did. He got a restraining order for online stalking. Oh wow! Ooh, well, a couple days ago. 
Okay. Well, that, full disclosure that that apparently happened. He's uh, he was accused of that. Um, he's done some stalking in the cage too. Uh, we've seen him at heavyweight in the past. Remember that World Series of Fighting fight against uh, Arlovsky? Uh, Arlovsky. That was some sloppy fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm obviously all for this. That's a fight we all wanted to see. You're right. So in 2015, when John got arrested, right? That's what pulled John out of the Anthony Johnson fight. So instead, they did so, yeah. Johnson yeah. DC the first time for that title, which turned out yeah. to be fun because DC got rocked. Yeah, I don't care how thick this guy is; he can bang. He'll always yeah, bang. You, him, you John can throw Jones. Throw him in there yeah. against anyone in the top fifteen. You got a, a great fight. Um, he was on the. What did you say right in here? He was on the Into the Weeds podcast. Is that where they get high in a car, or is that the the? the... I don't know. I just uh, I grabbed that off the article I was reading from. Uh, See, now I I personally like the timeline of Jones beats DC for the heavyweight title, and then you immediately say, "Hey, guess what? Rumble's back." <laughs> and then you, I, I would be, especially like Rumble enter, doing the whole enter the cage after Jones beats DC again. And I, I, that would entertain me. Some people would think it's stupid. I would, Michael, that would entertain the hell out of me. Oh yeah. Rumble Fire. is so big right now that it's like to see him at heavyweight would be incredible. And to think that he once fought at 175, 170 pounds is insane. It is insane. I, sometimes on UFC uh, Fight Pass, I go back and throw up some of those old fights. And it's just, I mean, obviously the dude had some heavy power back then. But uh, did he outgrow the division or did he did he out-eat the like? It, I think he out-ate the division. There was that, there was the fight with Vitor where he came in very heavy. And they ended up pushing the fight to 85 what would happen if he was able to linger longer? Imagine like prime GSP he against Anthony Johnson. He probably would have killed someone. Yeah. The power and being that God, small. He would have stalked crazy. you right through your computer and Honestly, you. honestly, Anthony Rumble Johnson, right now and years from now, he is one of the biggest, like when you look back, what ifs. Like, and there's a few of them, but there are really some what ifs. Like, how big of a star could this dude have been? And I'd like company. to see him come back, Jack, because, uh, true or false, he laid an absolute fat egg in the Cormier rematch in Buffalo and was like, I'm not here to try. Well, he did, like that, yeah, remember that night? He was just like, it, it, he really, he, he sincerely had the look of a man who just got his ass kicked and literally right there on the spot said, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. He, and you believed him, you're like, oh shit, he really doesn't want to do this anymore. Oh boy. He struggled real bad with the wrestlers. Those guys that would kind of just grind him out. Cormier did it to him. Vitor Belfort did it to him in the fight that he won. He kind of just grinded him out on the ground. And, yeah, I mean, you could tell he just wanted to stand and bang, but that would be so much fun for the heavyweight division. Johnson made his UFC debut in 2007 in just his fourth professional fight. Wow. Wow. I didn't see. I didn't know that. I I didn't know that fact. Wow. You know, and he suffered – Four losses in the first six years, the, the, the Vitor one being the fourth, but, uh, blew some dudes away, man. I would have, yeah, so the, the Vitor fight was the 197 pound catchweight, but before then he was pretty much masquerading as a welterweight. Sometimes he'd miss weight or there'd be a catchweight like a, went against Yoshida and there's a catchweight against Clemente in which he lost, but man, then he went on that run. Uh, he had one of the better out of UFC runs. You know, Dan Henderson did two with Strike Force where you, you leave, but you, you rebuild yourself and you come back, you yep. know, hot fire and ready to go. And wow. I mean, it's, that's a crazy career, man. I, I'd like to see him get one more, go on his own terms, even if he's going to lose. But when you can bang like that, never say never. Uh, guys, also in the news cycle was that we talked about last week, the PFL signing that ESPN plus deal. We had some questions about that. Why not go to the source and answer it? Let's bring on the kickboxing and MMA legend himself, Ray Seffo, president of PFL to get in deeper on this coming at you. Enjoy. 
Legend himself, Ray Seffo, stepping in the CBS Sports MMA podcast. Ray, excited to talk to you. Big things going on with the Professional Fighters League where you serve as the president. Ignore the PFL if you want, but they're knocking on your door. Congratulations on the ESPN deal. From the beginning, when this promotion had a different name and you joined forces, did you expect to get to this point this quickly? I didn't expect it. Uh, you know, I don't expect anything. So, I, I you know, it's all about just, you know, putting your head down and working hard. And um, that's exactly what the team and myself have been doing. And, you know, all these things uh, just started to fall into place and unfold. So it's uh, obviously I'm such an honor to be in family and working together as partners. So we're really, you know, obviously uh, excited and uh, looking forward to uh you know, it's it's really it's a really cool time, obviously, for the sport, for the broadcasting side of the sport. There's, you know, between DAZN, ESPN, there's a lot of money being thrown around for broadcasting rights. Uh, everybody seems to bring a little something different to the table, whether it's Bellator One, Combate. I love what PFL does with the season format. How did that? How did that right. come together? Because that's a gamble in a sense where you never know if MMA fans are going to accept it. I think once people got a feel of it, they fell in love with it right away. Right, exactly. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, the, the idea is um, uh, something that I, I wanted to do this million dollar tournament uh, from the start of WSOF. And uh, when the new partners came on board, um, they loved that that kind of format as well, an idea. And all we did is just translate that into, you know, that format into uh, the way sports is in, in the U.S. And that's, there's a regular season, there's playoffs, and there's. So. Uh, you know, obviously we had to put some few things together and work out how that would work. And once we finalized that, we, uh, you know, uh, pretty much told uh, the fighters and, and the world. And so, <laughs> listen, uh, a lot of doubters out there, and, uh, and right for so. And, but once the uh, season started and started to unfold from the regular playoffs and then to the championships, and then the you know the six champions standing in the, in the decagon with uh, about each and a million dollar check each. Uh, everything became uh, real. You know, it's funny. I was talking to a manager uh, last week, and he said, "You know, Ray, it's crazy because everything you said that you guys were going to do, you did." And so, uh, you know, now now that the, the world at large understands, um, it's uh, it's it really it really does work. Well, I, you know, no one's going to argue with a million dollars as the prize, but what do you think for, from the fighters' point of view, they seem to like about the idea of more organization, of a set, uh, regular season with playoffs and champions? How does that differ from the normal fighter mindset? The one complaint that I got from fighters when it was WSOF is that they weren't fighting enough. In uh, this, with the playoffs, uh, to get to the championship, you, you have to fight five times throughout the season. So now guys have gone from fighting two fights a year, three fights a year to actually staying really active and fighting pretty much, you know, every other eight to nine weeks. Yeah. That, 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 that's a lot, but that's exciting, man. That really gives you an opportunity to make a name for yourself. Of course, if you are in a household name and what do you think the idea of a purse as large as a million dollars does for you guys? to potentially become a, a a home for free agents. Look, we just saw some giant names jump from UFC to one. That made headlines. 
I have to feel when you guys are throwing around prize money like this, you got to be getting phone calls. Oh, yeah, definitely. We're, you know, we are getting a lot of calls and, um, you know, our roster has obviously changed again from this, from last year to this year. I feel like, um, and I want to say better fighters, but guys that, um, it's going to lift the, the, the PFL profile again this year. Um, and so, you know, um, it's re- it really does, uh, it really does work. And, and, and a lot of these fighters <laughs> love the idea. I mean, it, listen, a uh, million dollars, um, changes lives. You know what I mean? And so, um, not everybody gets to fight for that. In PFL, everybody in the PFL season has that opportunity, equal opportunity to fight for that million dollars. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you guys are offering different things from some of the other promotions. I mean, one of the big things is you're, you're bringing out the women's lightweight division, which is really cool to see. And then you have a face for that division, of course, in two-time U.S. Olympic judo gold medalist Kayla Harrison, who you can argue, Ray, is the face of your promotion in general, and that's a great thing. How important to PFL success is Kayla's rising star at the moment? Well, yeah, no, definitely it is important. You know, Kayla is, uh, knows how to be the two-time Olympic champion, um, which I think the first ever in, in the female world. Um, so um, her success, obviously, is the PSL success as well. And so, you know, obviously we, we wish her the very best. Uh, but her opportunity uh, is, is going to be just the same as, the other, uh, the other seven girls, um, you know, these girls are all going to come out and put it on the line. And, and I feel like uh, every time I watch a female fight, uh, and I said this in, in uh, one of our promo things where I think the men got to, you know, they step up their game because every time a woman steps in there, they feel like they got something to prove. And, and from that kind of attitude, they end up being uh, putting on really great fights. Yeah, no, no question about it at all. And look, this deal is impressive. You're going to have six five hour PFL regular season events taking place Thursday nights from May to August. ESPN plus ESPN two ESPN deportes. That'll of course lead through the playoffs. You're going to have the championship on New Year's Eve, which should be a fun event. But Ray, I don't think anyone's surprised at the success of you guys getting a TV deal of this level. The surprise seemed to come that it was ESPN, which just, you know, quote-unquote, got into bed with UFC for a large sum of money. Uh, why should we not be surprised? What's the relationship now between UFC and PFL, if there's any, for making this deal? <laughs> um, listen, uh, we, have, we have always, uh, always said from the beginning, that we have, you know, uh, you pay respects to those who came before you. That's my martial arts background, and that's how I look at it. Um, and because this is still martial arts, and that's exactly how I see them. And uh, I have nothing but love and respect for the UFC. They've done a tremendous job promoting our sport. <clears throat> and, you know, it's given a lot of other uh, promotional opportunities. And so, um, and, and you know, uh, we have a very good uh, uh, relationship. Well, I have a really good relationship with the UFC. Um, some of my fighters fighting in the UFC. Um, so, you know, nothing but love and respect for them. But would you, would you, um, have an issue if somebody not knowing the details looked at this package and said, okay, I guess that means PFL is now a provider for the UFC. Is that, would you call that true or false in the long run? 
Well, that, that's that's not that's not true. Absolutely not. Uh, but you know, um, the UFC. Listen, the UFC is the UFC and PFL is PFL. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on there, and in in both, you know. Promotions certainly have the opportunity to to gain from the other in the sense that you're both on ESPN MMA getting a giant push on ESPN that can't hurt either side no question about it. Uh, what are your hopes for this season? Uh, do you have any specific goals? Is it is it ratings? Is it is I mean what when you're launching this second season here and getting it on ESPN? There's going to be a lot of pressure, a lot of a lot of things expected. What are you hoping at the end of the year to have looked back and seen? Um, you know, my, uh, uh, wish is, is basically just continue to put on great shows. And, and I know for a fact, um, last year, everybody came, uh, stepped up. And with this format, everybody has to step up because if you don't, you're not going to make the playoffs. And so last year, I think we, we did a, uh, 65 to 70%, uh, um, finish ratio. So, I to, um, you know, to uh, get at that this year. But I have no doubt that uh, all these fighters are going to come out and, and put on a great show for the fans. All right, let's talk quickly here about the uh, the divisions, the brackets. I mean, we already mentioned women's lightweight. Kayla Harrison is always must-see TV. you got a great veteran in Sarah Kaufman moving up in weight there. Talk to me about some of these other weight classes. Who are the guys that could carry this brand, that could be the faces as we move forward this year? Um, well, I mean, you know, uh, we have, uh, obviously we have about, uh, 20, 30 guys coming back from last year out of the 80 fighters that we have for season one. Um, uh, in the likes of Lance Palmer, um, um, uh, Felipe Lentz, who is the heavyweight champion. That's why I'm being the uh, featherweight champion. We got Nathan Schultz, he's coming out, uh, is back. Uh, Rashid, Rashid, uh, was in the finals. Um, so all those guys will be coming back and of course we have uh, we're gonna release uh, the rest of the roster with this coming week and um, we do yeah, know we have a really good uh, surprisingly uh, have a, a really good heavyweight roster this year so um, excited and I can't wait. All right, in closing here, Ray, it's been a pleasure to chat with you. Really excited about what you guys are doing here. Look, MMA, you know it. It's it, The sport is still so much in its infancy to the point that many years later we'll look back and and things can be completely different on how the sport is presented, how it's operated. You're going out in a new path with the way you're structuring the regular season, playoffs. You think this can catch on? Do you think this will be standard operating procedure down the road for how mixed martial arts is ex- executed? Well, it's very possible. Listen, the, uh, the format works, um, and um, it really does. And uh, Luke Thomas is, uh, you know, well-respected name in, in the MMA world, and uh, and he, I did an interview with him. I want to say three after the third show or the second show, and uh, you know, he was one of the guys that wasn't sure this was going to work. And credit to him, he, he, when I got on the show, he says, listen, first of all, Ray, I, I, I owe you an apology. And I didn't really know what it was. And then he said, you know, um, everything that you guys said you were going to do at unfolding and already within two shows, um, we're seeing a, a huge different difference between PFL and, and versus the fighting. And so, uh, that in itself, um, you know, uh, tells me and tells the world that, 
this does work. And we've proven that through the whole season where uh, all the guys uh, that competed in the season and uh, that made the playoffs, that got to the championship, and then, you know, you're having six champions, uh, which I've never seen before. And it was a proud moment when when you saw six world champions standing in the dig zone with a, a million-dollar check each. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's life-changing uh, money for everybody. And so I was really proud of what the team did, and uh, we look to do it uh, again and better this year. Great stuff, Ray. Wish you nothing but success. It's a, it's a great product, great promotion. Looking forward to catching it on ESPN2, ESPN Plus as we move forward in 2019. Ray Seffo, the kickboxing MMA legend himself. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you to Ray Seffo. Uh, Jacko, is there a, is there a uh, PFL fight that could get you out of your seat appointment viewing at this point? I admit it. I admittedly haven't watched much of the PFL. I, I, Brandon did, like, which is unfortunate that he's absent. And Brandon got a little into it last year, I think, the, during that first season that they have. I like the floor. I like the format and everything of it. I like the concept. And I think this year, now that it's a little more structured, especially under ESPN, it seems like there's a little more structure to it and all that. I think I get, I'm going to start catching a little bit more and then I'll have a little more, a couple more thoughts on it. It's going to be interesting if they can attract a legitimate free agent because of now the ESPN coverage and then the idea that you win a million dollars if you win your season. Yeah. That's, that's pretty damn enticing. If you're suddenly at the crossroads where you're like, do I go to Bellator for some fun, crazy fights? Do I go to one to get featured around the world? Uh, what am I doing here? I wonder if that there are suddenly a player now and I'd love to know more of the inside of, of, you know, UFC had to sign off on this, right? I know we talked to Ray about some of this, but oh, it's all interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Th- yeah. Of, co- of course they did. You know, I guess, I mean, ESPN's making this push to, you know, up their MMA coverage. So, but of course they had to run this by Dana first and say, yo, is it cool? And as long as it didn't interfere with anything, I guess he's cool. But it could, because again, like it also gives Dana sort of a pool to look at on the network he's on and say, all right, now wait a minute. Uh, maybe I could take him. Oh, like yeah. it's, it's, it almost becomes like a de facto triple A league. It, him, it's in it's a, interesting in, a, in some respects. There's there's a lot to gain for exposure. You could lose some of your best players, but but uh, it's going to be interesting if they settle it. Maybe that's the best role for long term health. I'm not really sure. It's 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 worth talking about. But uh, hey, let's talk about what's going on this Saturday in MMA O2 Arena in London. You're getting yeah on on the old uh, ESPN Plus there. UFC Fight Night London, Darren Till, Jorge Masvidal, Welterweights, they're going to bang. This should be as advertised, folks. But before we break this fight down, our good friend Brandon Wise, who, yes, is on that honeymoon right now in Montreal, caught up with Masvidal in recent weeks at the ATT gym. This is one of the more interesting interviews you're going to see, folks. A very, very, very relaxed Jorge Masvidal about to tell you about life, philosophy, why he deserves the money he earns because he makes sure to entertain the fans. Coming right at you, Brando Masvidal. Enjoy. And now you thought you were going to get Nick Diaz. Now you're not fighting Nick Diaz. You're fighting Darren Till in London. What was that experience like for you? Just, uh, I don't even want to get too excited, man. Because <laughs> I'm in there, you know? Yeah. I don't mean to sound like a Debbie Downer. I don't want to be that dude. But you're yeah. you, you might be a little bit worried, right? Because he's, yeah, he's yeah, had his know, issues I with think, his own weight cuts. Yeah, you know, so I just hope to get in there. It's going to be fun. 
I think uh, Aaron likes to fight, man. That's what a fight's about, right? And fighting. Exactly. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a roller coaster for sure, you know? Have I you like ever, the scrap, so. Have you ever been to London? No, I haven't been to London. But I have uh, fought one dude from London, Paul Daly. Real good scrapper. You know, so I know the London dudes can scrap, you know? Did you, what did you learn from that Stephen Thompson fight? Oh, I learned a lot of things, man. Um, movement, you know, a couple of things that I used to do in the past that I wasn't doing now. Got caught up with one thing and one thing alone, which is trying to hurt him, put him away. And uh, I couldn't get him in my distance, you know? So I got to transition from loss to loss as smooth as I can to, to get to victory, you know? So I take notes from that fight. And if I fight a Steven Thompson again, I try to add that new formula to it, you know? See if that'll work out for me. You seem really confident after the Cerrone fight. And then obviously, like you said, you had the two-fight losing streak now. What, has anything changed in your preparation outside of like what you're saying before about your conditioning? Uh, not really. Just outcomes. I did a couple things wrong here and there. And uh, outcomes didn't go. I had them planned. But uh, I got a good ending for myself in this movie against Till. You know, I got a real good ending for myself. I'm just excited to be back, man. I miss it. I love this sport. It's all I know. Even when I'm getting beat up, I'm like, damn, I just miss being in the gym, man. <laughs> Music in the background. Everybody's getting after it in a competitive, healthy way, you know. It's such a good vibe. If you've never been inside the gym, even as a reporter, you can feel the vibe. You know that. You're getting after it in here, you know, and that's a fun roller coaster, you know. For sure. And I don't got to pay to get on it. They pay me to get on it. So imagine, Playboy. Something dog. Let me show you. my dog. I'm glad to be back in here, man. I love this shit. Had you not been in the gym for a while? Um, When I was rehabbing my shit up, I wasn't in the gym that much. I wasn't in the gym that much. I was just running. Doing a lot of general conditioning. Swimming, running. Weights. Out of weights, trying to get in shape. So I wasn't in the gym as much. Also, let my mind rest and miss it. I was gonna say, was it more like, was it kind of recharge? Yeah. Like, just take a break from the grind of everything? And it ended up being way too long. Cause I missed it so damn much. I missed it in a heavy bag. And this jumped over for 45 minutes. And I was in this reality show because I, I was in, I was restricted some things. I was getting different type of workouts. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of running uphill, downhill. A lot of push-ups and pull-ups. And the experience was pretty cool because I was teamed up with other good athletes. I would say, in my opinion, super athletes. Yeah. Olympic gymnast was on my team. We had the silver medalist for 2012 in the one mile. Imagine, he was the second fastest dude in the world. <laughs> That's nuts in the mile. Everybody yeah. runs a mile, you know? How fucking fast is this guy? <laughs> you know, so I got to learn. It was cool because they would share a lot of their, their trades with me and vice versa I'd show them little bullshit fighting techniques and be like oh so that's how you do it and yeah and then they show me oh run like this or jump like that or keep this like this and I learned, I learned a lot of a lot of cool shit you know was there ever a time in the last few years where you were in the octagon where you felt like doubt creeping into your mind like shit maybe I don't have it today or you know I'm gonna go right through this dude this ain't gonna be anything this is gonna be cake for me. I mean you always think it's going to be cake, but you're prepared for the worst, you know? Sometimes the brain doesn't make those adjustments. Catch on to the new pattern, you kind of get stuck on that. What, what I do next, or you're hesitating, and while you're hesitating, the other person's not, and they're marking points, you know? Sometimes you think you're winning, 
convincing me and just in the driver's seat, but not like stepping on the gas and you lose and you're like, how the hell? I threw more, I landed more. I was just fighting going backwards and a lot of these judges can't appreciate that either, you know? So you gotta kinda fight in a format that doesn't always allow you to be the most creative, I think, you know? Like going backwards, fighting backwards, I don't really appreciate that too much yet. I think in the future the judges will, as the fighters are now becoming like judges, good judges. We're gonna have like great judges, I think, in the future because they were fighters of, of a very good era that participated a lot in it. So we're gonna have a different thinking, I think, in the future, you know? That's like Mighty Mouse. How f badass is that guy, you know? Fights going backward, forward. That's what a fighter is, you know? <laughs> now, you seem like you were in a similar situation to one of your training partners and teammates, Kobe Covington. What did you make of how that all went about? How he ended up getting jumped for the title shot against Tyron? Well, when this whole thing or ordeal was going on, I was like in my AM world still, you know? I was out of commission. So I came to find this out not too long ago. And then uh, the tail had also fought before Kobe, which I didn't know either. Mm-hmm. I was in the show still at this time. So it's crazy, man. Like, I don't I don't know the details of it even so, you know? Really? So, Kobe yeah. fought... He fought RDA, and yeah. he fought... I was there for the, for the RDA fight. And he fought... I can't remember who he fought before that. Um, Damian Maya, maybe? Dam- I think it was Maya. Yeah. Well... Kamaru fought them after, like yeah. in a row, the same uh-huh. order that Kobe did. And Dana decided he preferred how Co- how Kamaru fought versus how Kobe fought. He thought it would sell better, I guess, for him to fight against Woodley. Which is weird to me because they have a very similar fighting style, you know? Yeah, it seems weird, right? Because uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm cool with Kobe. I'm cool with Woodley. Now, obviously, I'm going to lean towards that fight. Yeah. But if I was just a straight-up fan, that's the fight I want to see. You know, they both got a lot of trash talking between each other. I'd be more inclined to seeing that fight, watching that fight than the other one. If I was just a bystander, I would think, you know? Because yeah. you think you'd get more rage out of it. If you're just a common fan, you don't know any of them, you know? But yeah, that's the fight that I wanted to see. Yeah, I think that's what most people are hoping to see yeah. eventually, or maybe later this year. I Wait. gave my own hard money to see that fight. Yeah. What do you think you I stand I hard now? for my money, man. Yeah, I want you to understand people at home. When I say I'd pay for a fight, I don't pay. I don't even watch fights, man. I don't do anything. I don't watch TV. If I'm reaching into my pocket to buy a fight. It's worth watching. Yeah. What do you think you stand at this point in the 170 division? Since you have been out for about a year now, I mean, there's been a lot of movement in the top five and the top ten. Where do you think you fit in? Actually, things been pretty stale. See? It's a big mess. No, I got my butt kicked today. Still out of shape. Yes, sir. Um, show me that again. So where do you think you fit in the 170 division now, coming back after a year off? I think uh, I'm this young, hungry tiger that just wants to get after it, man. I just want to fight. People know that shit, you know? I was about to fight, take a fight in a week's notice. I wasn't able to happen. I was ready to fight the ideas that didn't happen. And I got this offer to fight too in his backyard. I'm gonna make it up. Oh, everything good? Good energy for the next fight. That's awesome. Great fight. Brandon, play this match. Cool people in this gym. So, 
you had mentioned before that you were hoping that a fight down here would happen. Do you think that's still a possibility? I mean, why not? I mean, if I put it out there hard enough and I meditate on it, why not? You know, <laughs> if it ends up happening, I'm a genius. My plan is to fight April and then, uh, I mean, fight March, fight April. That's my plan. So What's up? Poor black kid in the streets of Miami, and I had a real, you know, my dad wasn't around, my mom was really there. She worked 17 jobs to get me over. I had bad, cruel friends. I'm really rehabilitating myself, and I feel so much better about my life. And very positive, spiritual thing. I'm gonna teach you Thank, you. Thank God for the gotcha. Thank God for the weed. My man, you know that pretty much summed it up. We could have did this without even impressing. I love George Masvidal, my brother. Did I get the whole story in? <laughs> Without the women, minus the women. You can't let the women. Who is this guy? I'm trying to work here, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Chapter chapter 2, verse 7. My mom walks out of me again. At this time, I'm about 9 years old, and I see my mom stick a needle in her arm, and I go, what the f***? So, we were talking about Miami and trying to bring a fight back down here. Is that actually ha going to happen? Do you think that that's still in the works? Definitely. Yeah, get after and get that fight. As long as I get a good fight over what's his face too. Mm -hmm. Why not? That'd be awesome if I get if I get the fight in Miami. It'd be pretty cool. I didn't even. I, I had just seen that there was a rumor about that happening. I didn't know if it was for sure or not. Well, I, I heard the rumor too, but I'm just hoping that it's yeah. true. Yeah. Fans from Miami are like they appreciate it. It's been so long since they've come back down here, right? And every time I talk to somebody here, it's always like, everybody trains here. Yeah. <laughs> All the big names are down here at ATT now, yeah. and I have Black Zillions everywhere down here. There's no reason for them not to come here. You know, if, they do, if they do that card right, it'll go nuts. It'll fill up any stadium in Miami. Definitely. So how do you match up? <laughs> how do you think you match up with Darren? In the octagon, <coughs> have you have you been able to look at his tape and see how he how he's looked in the in the cage? I saw the highlights of the Woodley fight, <coughs> and that's about it. <coughs> oh no, I saw also the highlights of the Cowboy fight. <coughs> yeah, I'm gonna watch those fights in full, get a little like uh, history on the guy, and then just go. <coughs> and you and you were saying that you hope that you get the win here, and then you can fight again in Miami in March in April. Who are you thinking about for that? You said you were hoping to win the fight against Till in March yeah. and then get down here for a fight in April. Who are you th who are you thinking about for that? Oh man, I can't I can't be that blessed to ask for names. <laughs> Twice in a row, you know, I just whoever it takes, whoever they put in front of me at that moment. I just gotta take the opportunity. If I wanna do big things, you know, I have to win this one and just whoever they give me in the next one. Mikey, you're a man of the world. Special thanks to Jorge Masvidal for joining us. Uh, did they spark a fat one before that? That's some loose, relaxed, uh, chilling right there. Yeah, I figured Brandon would be relaxed because of the uh, honeymoon, but wow, Jorge, you know. Ooh. Jorge, letting the Fs fly. Uh, but look, that this is part of the reasons why he's fun. He brings action fights inside the cage. And he's sort of always got that mercenary laid back mentality. Like, you know, I come in there to do violence and damage. Doesn't seem to get too caught up on things. Doesn't seem to care about the things that are going to weigh him down and hold him back. 
just comes in a bang, guys, and he's coming off of a legitimate layoff here. We haven't seen him since November 4th, 2017, UFC 217, New York City, when Stephen Thompson really put it on him over three rounds, a completely one-sided performance, took off more than a year, talked about being a, a better family man, recharging mentally. I like when guys do this. I think sometimes, you know, this could really spark another run in you when you give your body and your mind this type of break. Anything that we can read from what Jorge was saying there? Really, the story, the storyline going into Saturday is like, is it like his rehabilitation as a fighter? Because he really did in that interview with Brandon, he came across as someone who's alluding to the fact that during the time away, you know, he did sort of revamp himself. And as he's like, this is a veteran here. Um, so he's going to take almost a JDS route where like, we're hoping to see, uh, a, a different fire, especially different than we saw against Thompson, uh, in 2017, uh, maybe a little more disciplined. Uh, but that's the storyline for Masvidal heading into Saturday is how much different is his game in the octagon against someone like Till. And Mike, for Darren Till, it's, uh, very humbling to have been propped up so defiantly by the UFC as really like the next Connor mold, Connor 2.0 there. I mean, they gave him every possible chance to succeed and be the next big star, letting him cut the line. God darn, he blew weight by four pounds and he didn't even beat Stephen Thompson. Yet he got the win and he got the title shot and he got dominated by Woodley. A lot on his shoulders here. He's got a lot to prove in this homecoming. So the, so exactly what you guys were just talking about before about taking a break. Like I feel like the layoffs between like a big loss or like a career defining mo, a career defining loss. Like when you come back, that time is always good for you. Like this, I feel like the short camps, you don't have enough time to adjust and learn something new for to continue to progress your MMA skill set. So I like when these fighters take some time off to revamp their career, maybe hit a different camp to start training at and just try some new stuff there. But as for Darren Till, they have pushed this dude to the limit, and he's getting that the big push on the uh, main event. So let's see what he can do. Jorge Masvidal is a beast. I remember he was on CBS Sports. We had him on doing an interview before the Ross Pearson fight. And I remember sitting there and I wrote out the questions for our host who was talking. And I remember sitting there and being like, this dude is cold blooded. He, yes. he means business. And he sounded like that in the interview. So that's what I'm saying. Uh, I'm he doesn't hoping... seem to let certain things get him down. He seems to just focus that he's going to come in there and do damage. Uh, he's one of my favorite interviews because he's so damn real. You can ask him anything. He'll give you an honest answer. This was probably the most though relaxed and chill we heard him, but he's coming in as the underdog right around plus 200 on most books and that's the type of underdog you want to take yeah. because he goes for it. Yeah, it did get exposed in the Stephen Thompson fight, but this has all the potential to be a banger. I think there's a lot of pressure on Darren Teller. Are we sure that he the, can consistently make well the 170 the, limit here? This is just an overall point here. This is where the pressure really starts for Darren Till. Like people said going into the Woodley fight, all oh, the pressure. I said, what pressure is there on Darren Till? Honestly, he's 26 years old. If he loses to someone as skilled and seasoned as the welterweight champion of the world, Tyron Woodley, what embarrassment is there in that? And it happened. And I said, okay, but the kid's 26. He learned a lesson. Move on. But now we've hit the, now we've hit the point where it's time to move on. So 
like you said, you got to be more disciplined. You can't laugh off being four pounds overweight now. He needs to come in. Like, even for him, it, it'd probably be a better look to come in just a little bit under. No, definitely. Show you have a little more discipline outside of the cage first. And then go in there and do your business against a veteran like Masvidal. But this is where the pressure starts for Darren Till. It wasn't when they were trying to push this kid to the moon against Woodley. There was no embarrassment no shame in what happened to him against Tyron Woodley. None at all. I don't know why people were thinking that. None whatsoever. But now is where the pressure really starts for him. Uh, that's a great take. I, I'm really with you on that in that regard. And it, it's tough for Masvidal here because how quickly things can go in MMA. Entering to UFC 211, that split decision loss he had with Damian Maya, if he would have won that fight and he fought well in that fight, that would have been a four-fight win streak. He probably would have gotten the next title shot, which Maya ended up getting. It's crazy how that leads to a one-sided loss with Thompson, then a uh, more than a year break, and now we're like, does this guy still have it? Sort of. But you know, he's coming in pressure on both. They both need a win. But I like the sort of identity Masvidal gets to play here, with more pressure until Masvidal can come in as the hunter in his opponent's backyard, style-wise. I kind of really like Masvidal's chances here. I'm also never been a big Darren Till guy. He's big. That's the best thing you could say about him. He's a big-ass welterweight. Skill to skill here, though? Masvidal can do more things than you realize sometimes, though. He's got he's to attack the legs uh-huh. and slow down Till and take his power out of his legs so that he's not hitting him with those big shots. If I remember correctly, that's a good point, Michael, because I think in that boring fight against Stephen Thompson, Darren Tills and Thompson when they had the, the fight night in London. Thompson did that, to, and that slowed Darren down a little bit. Definitely. I thought but Thompson won the, that fight, yeah. Yeah, the difference between is I think Masvidal, especially if he's recouped himself and he's taken this time to really just refresh himself, if he does that to Till, I think that the his attack is going to present a lot of problems for Till and I kind of agree. I could see Masvidal coming out with this fight here. Then, of course, like I said before, then we have a problem with Darren Till. Well, Just have like, we ever really had a, a a great Darren Till? Here's what I'm going to say on this, okay? Before the Donald Cerrone fight, he beat three guys you never heard of. Yeah. And the fourth fight was a draw. All right? Uh, straight up, he beat three guys you have never heard of in the UFC, and that's fine. And then he blew away what we thought was a wash Donald Cerrone. And for anyone that said, well, look, Donald Cerrone's kind of bounced back from that. Yes, but Donald Cerrone takes too many fights ill-advised in a short period of time. And because of that, he doesn't always show up at each one 100%. And he got sent to hell in that one by a large welterweight who was on a on a hot roll. So I'm not going to say that that, win, that streak of five wins and six fights for Till was nothing. But when you consider, I don't think he beat Thompson. He got dominated by Woodley. I never heard of the three guys he beat. He really only has that wash Donald Cerrone win as the type of win that you can hang your hat on and be like, he's definitely title material. He's not. He's not necessarily. Darren Till, ultimately, he was a business decision for the UFC. Basically because he has a good look. He does. He has a good look. He's young. He could talk. But I think most importantly, there's a huge, huge market in the UK for MMA. So they kind of on their hands, like, yeah, was it a bad decision to push this kid to the moon? Yeah, it was. But at the same time, they had literally the perfect face to market to the British. And, yeah, they threw him in there with Woodley, and they said, again, what's the worst that can happen? Now, if this kid beats Woodley somehow, some way, oh, man, do we have gold. If not, then it's back to the drive. By the way, Woodley, not company man. That's why that (laughs) happened. Uh, I think they're going to bang. 
I think if Masvidal can can chip away with the leg strikes, like you're saying, that's going to be key to 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 really allow himself to get closer. But I think he's got to land the big one here. I think you play into what Darren Till thinks he does great, which is stand and strike with you. And I and I think if this could be a fun war that we see Masvidal as the last one standing. I just I will always always take the more well-rounded fighter in cases like this, and I think that's that's what Masvidal is. He's the He's the more well-rounded fighter. I can't remember, or actually, but th- this past weekend, what's um, Drew Dober fought on the main card, and he was—he's Dober's a power puncher, and he landed some shots, and it was exciting until he was on the ground, and then that was it. Like, so you got to watch out for these, especially someone like Till. Like they're marketing somebody with like this power, and oh look, he's, he's so big, and once he hits you, but it's like, what if Masvidal doesn't let him hit him? Well, everyone he, has which, a plan until they lose their soul, Jack. <laughs> Uh, hey, I like that fight. This is a welterweight night. I like this co-main event fight. Leon Edwards against Gunnar Nelson. We're talking about someone who's hot, someone who's beat up on a washed-down Cerrone to get his name. We're talking about six wins in a row for Leon Edwards going back to that Kamaru Usman loss in 2015. We did, what, do we, what do we spend this whole show talking about? Welterweights who kind of look good, who might have next as we reload this division. You got to consider this guy in that mix. Yeah, you do. I, you know, 27 years old, he's coming up in a, na- a win over a name like Nelson. Then, then we're talking. Like, I, I can't wait till we have a podcast like later in the year on this welterweight division. I think we we could do a whole one on the welterweights if things keep going the way they're going with all these contenders coming up. It's, this is exciting. It's looking good. This is a fun so, matchup here. We know Gunnar Nelson never never sort of bores you. He'll always nope. bring it. And I like the sort of mix of the type of people that Leon Edwards has beaten to get into this point. You know, the, the, I mean, beat both Luke, Vicente Luque and Brian Barbarina, who had a, who had a, uh, fight, fun fight of the year contender on the way here, beat Albert Tumunov, beat Donald Cerrone. Uh, yeah, it takes a while. And the, takes- mo- and the most important one, like that could work in his favor is depending on how things shake out. He says, I fought Kamaru Usman and I didn't get finished. I lost by decision. Very true. And that was December 2015. So, like, we talked about time passing between rematches. That could be one on the horizon. Maybe not this year, early next year, middle next year. Well, you wonder if you're setting up here. You know, let's say Edwards wins this. Let's say Darren Till wins this or or Masvidal. You're setting up for the winners to potentially face each other, although UFC doesn't typically run it that way. This is a way of of narrowing and whittling it down to 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 find out who's legit and who's ready to to wait in line. But uh, speaking of getting in line at 205, it's a it's a very thin pool. We've talked about this ad nauseum, but Dom Reyes, Dominic Reyes is one of those special looking guys who, along with Johnny Walker Weirdo, has a shot to be a player. Player if they revamp 205, whether or not John Jones leaves or Gustafson is too old or not, Dom Reyes looked really, really damn good. The 29-year-old from California, last time out, UFC 229, OSP, got the divi- got the decision. He just sort of looked next level. He reminds me of, of a Tony Ferguson, like a light heavyweight version of Tony Ferguson. The creativity of the strikes with the constant pressure. I've never been a big Vulcan Ozdemir time fan. I got no time for this guy. But this, at this point, is a measuring stick to see how real he is at the very least. Ozdemir, not too long ago, had been up on the title level, got dominated by Daniel Cormier, got submitted by Anthony Smith in his comeback. He needs a win. This is a good fight. This is a good-ass yeah. fight. Yeah, again, this is this is one of those fights I like where when UFC does this. Like, they'll take an up-and-comer, 
like uh, like Reyes, and they'll put him in it with a name, like not a top name, not a marquee name, but I'll put it with a name, like everyone, like as everyone familiar with the light heavyweight division knows Vulcan. So they're like, okay, now we put him in there with Vulcan. Let's see, let's see if we can keep this going, and we might have a little more depth at the light heavyweight division. Yeah, I, I want to see. I want to see how good Dominic Reyes is. I think we'll get a better view here. We know Vulcan can bang. Definitely, there's there's some openings. There's some weaknesses there. Uh, Look, it's uh, it's not the deepest card. We don't expect these international ESPN Plus cards to be there. Not a whole heck of a lot to look out for. When you look at the other names, other storylines, guys, I'm still following this Ian Heinish story. You know, the middleweight who who won his UFC debut, and he's got that insanely wild backstory about having served time in jail in Spain and done a lot of, like, uh illegal uh, work in, in Northern Africa and Spain with, with, I don't know, bookies. There's a, anyone that gets a chance to go read, there's, there's some great magazine stories written on this guy. Uh, you remember what I'm talking about, Jack? You, you read part of this backstory. I've, right? I've briefly read part of his backstory. You know, you know a little bit more about it than I, I, I forgot do. if he was in, in book, it was some form of organized crime in Europe and in Northern Africa and, and he did jail time and he got ripped and jacked in jail and he turned his life around and he's a physical specimen at middleweight. I liked him when he won his UFC debut. I forgot against two, but this is a guy that for now he's got such a good story and, and he seems like a good interview. You want to watch him slowly. He's deep on this uh, preliminary card. He's going to take on Tom Breeze, but uh, Ian Heinish is, uh, he looks the part. He looks an interesting dude and he's jacked. He's, he's jail jacked. Yeah. Yeah. So three and a half years on a uh, cocaine smuggling charge Jeez, in uh, Northern uh, Canary Islands, Northern Spain. Wow. Wow. Yeah. All right. So you, you know what? That's a badass dude. We did. We say yeah. we talk about guys who are who are badass in UFC. No, that is a badass dude right there. Yeah. Yeah. He almost got. I forgot. Mike, do you know who he fought in his UFC debut? I, I he gassed at certain points, but he ended up getting the hard fought win. I mean, he's uh, not a world beater tomorrow, but he's an interesting guy to watch. In his UFC debut on Fight Night Contender, he fought Justin Sumter and oh Cesar Ferrara. Ferrara. Yeah. That that's that rings a bell more. Um, anything else worth worth watching on this UFC London card? Not nothing's jumping out. Nah, nah, nothing nothing really jumps out. Like, the, the, but the but like it, like I said about Wichita, you never know. Like yeah. they're worth tuning in for. They really are because you you never know what you're gonna get. Like Wichita for me, like that was that was entertaining. And I and I I talked to you leading up BC. I was like, oh, I can't believe I'm gonna watch this. Like this, I I really don't want to watch this whole thing. I watched the whole thing. I was, you know what? I like that. That I had fun. Yeah. Yeah, some not everything's gonna work for you, but some things, Mike, you know full well they do work. I could be fat, I could not have a six pack, but my dick works. My dick works. It really, I mean, yeah, yeah, you always fall back on that. Yeah, that that's where it is. Hey, special shout out and thanks. Don't worry, hey Maz Vidal and Ray Seffo for stopping by the pod this week. Shout out to at Brandon Y sixty five on his honeymoon north of the border in Montreal. Hey, they can follow. Mikey, I can't memorize your Twitter address. Where should people follow you if they like you? If they want MJM more? MJM CBSI. Yes. Jack Crosby, where are you on Twitter? Jack Crosby 1423. Yes. What, what is that? What was that your ATM combination? <laughs> no, four, four, 14 was the number I wore when I played football. Yes. And 20, 23 was my uncle's. You heist is high school football, Jacko. Yeah. All those colleges close. Wow. What close. position were you? 14 quarterback. Be quarterback. Wow. For which high school? Riverside, Peter in, Taylor. In Scranton, Pennsylvania? Well, Taylor, right on the outskirts. Wow, Mikey, yeah. you know this guy was a QB? This guy was a signal yeah. caller? 
we're we're gonna have to get like a game together. Is I this know. so? We'll we'll all get together. We'll have a football game. I don't know if you the know UFC this event down here. Looking at this tall drink of water here, but Mikey Mormont was a borderline all state tight end. Am I right, Mike? Yeah, played tight end. Uh, almost played in college. No, though. Uh, yeah, we got and we got Brandon too. Yeah. Mikey exactly. went to the state playoff. Sims very high in Connecticut. Brandon of of uh, North Boca fame, right? Yep. All right, all right. Football dreams behind us. Al Bundy, four <laughs> touchdowns in one game. Thank you very much. Uh, that's going to do it, guys. Thanks for tuning in this week at State of Combat on Twitter. Uh, whoop that ass if you get the chance. I whoop that ass. What can I say? But what else am I going to say? But we out. <laughs> <laughs>